Um, it's so fantastic to be here today. Um, like I said last week, I was at Livingston, but I'm really happy to be back here at um, Frio. And um, yeah, and talking to you guys, and is my thing on the, it's, on, it's getting ready? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Um, let me pray before I get stuck into the word again, because I don't think you can have too much prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this time that we can spend um, with you on this day that you've created and that, that we have a space in time that we can just focus on you rather than the, uh, the everyday things that kind of bog us down with distractions, with, with work or, or recreational activities. But this day is focused on you and we thank you for that. And Lord, as we focus on you, we also pray that you bless our fellowship with others, that it's based on fellowship with you and fellowship with others and that, that we can grow together closer to you um, in this church community context. Lord, as we open your word, we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to encourage us and to, to teach us more about who you are as our God and what that means and how we interact with others around us. And Lord, um, yeah, I just pray that your, your name is glorified today. Um, in your loving, precious name, Jesus, amen. So, uh, okay, I've got it, all right. Um, I believe I grew up in one of the best places in Australia, okay? Who knows where that is? It's Queensland, it is. That's Coolangatta, okay? Near a place, well, I actually lived um, in a, a suburb of Tweed Heads called Benora Point, but Coolangatta is about 10 minutes away, okay? And uh, we had very easy access or a very quick drive to get to these beaches. Now, this is just one of many beaches in Coolangatta. So you've got like Kingscliff, you've got Point Danger, you've got, um, uh, oh man, so many, I can't even remember any, anymore. Point Danger, Rainbow Bay, Kira, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. Um, all these wonderful beaches, um, in this place called Coolangatta. But there is a specific place in Coolangatta that I'm going to talk about or tell you a story about um, that I'll always remember. And not because of the beauty of the beaches or the beauty of the parks there, but in fact because it, uh, a traumatic moment in my life happened there. Um, and the, the interesting thing is I don't really get into any physical fights um, anymore. Uh, since I became a pastor of Fremantle Church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, in fact, I haven't been in a fight since I was about 20 years of age. Now, for those who don't know how old I am, I turned 38 in January. So that's like 18 years I haven't been in a fight. But there was one fight that had a huge impact upon my worldview and specifically how I viewed a certain race of people. Now, if you look up, I don't know if you can see it from there, but there's this sort of cover area. And this is like, this is called, um, what is it? Well, it's just cool and gather anyway. This is cool and gather. There's these sort of like cover areas um, like this. There's one that's not shown in this picture. It's more over this way. Um, and it's like this rotunda sort of place where there's like benches in there. Um, and you can sit and eat during the day. Um, but anyway, as the story goes, it was a Friday night. Um, 
I, I was kind of like out of the church a little bit at this time. It was a Friday night and I was out with um, some friends just hanging out um, and we're walking up and down like Coolangatta and, and I saw some of my friends in this rotunda, some people that I went to school on the bus with and I approached them and I, and I started hanging out with them and we were chatting away and just having a good time. And then this young indigenous guy um, comes up to our group with his group. And there was maybe about four, five or six of them. Um, and they come up to our group and they start mingling and chatting. Um, and I'm chatting away with my friends. And one in particular guy comes up and, and I notice that he's just sort of standing there maybe a couple metres away and he's just watching, watching me and watching my friends as we interact. And he starts interjecting um, in the conversation that we're having and just, uh, like, just kind of saying, like, weird things. And I'm, you know, I kind of, I don't go out of my way to instigate conflict or anything like that. And so things that he was saying that were fairly rude, um, I just kind of went, no, nah, it's all right. I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. Anyway, it got to the point where he's like, oh, you're the man, you're the man, aren't you? And I was like, no, man, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I just feel, I see a flash and, and, um, he's just head-butted me full in the nose. And I'm sitting down on the bench and I get up as quickly as possible and I grab hold of his shirt to arm's length and then all of a sudden I feel this other, this other thing come across my face and this flash comes in my eyes and his friend has punched me across the face. And quickly, I know I'm outnumbered, so I just get down into like almost the fetal position and I'm just covering myself as, trying to protect myself as best as possible and they just lay into me. And it wasn't just the two guys, there was about three or four of them. And fortunately enough, um, I was able to kind of like push my way out of this situation and just started heading towards, across the road, you can kind of see these buildings and over here there's like, you can't see it, but over here there's kind of like this... Um, shopping centre area and it, was, it wasn't too late that it was closed but um, it was getting late and there were some security guards there and, sort of, and so I was like, that's my best bet, I'll head towards them. And as I'm like walking towards them, I start seeing these flashes and I start realising they're, they're, they're circling me and punching me in the back of the head. And anyway, I managed to make my way into that shopping centre they stopped once, the, once we got to the security guards and they headed back to the rotunda and, and I went into the bathroom and I just saw blood pouring out my nose, I had a cut along here, um, all this sort of stuff. Um, and it was a group of these indigenous people on that front when I was about 19, 20 years of old, 20 years of age. Anyway, I had a huge cut along my nose um, and then, uh, anyway, I limped home after this. Okay, I went straight to bed when I got home and mum woke me up the next day for church. And she goes, she goes, Cameron, it's time for church. And I remember specifically seeing, like feeling her pull the blanket down and my face was there and she saw my eye was bruised shut. Um, I had that cut running along my nose and I was in a fairly poor state. And I saw, I still remember the look of horror on her face. And she took me straight to hospital to get x-rayed and cleaned up. And it was an experience that for, uh, would, would change my perception. Change my perception of, of the world and specifically change my perception of Indigenous people. 
In fact, I lumped them all into that box of they're all like that. They're all like that. And I even denied, I even started to deny my own Indigenous heritage. Remember last time I was here, two weeks ago, I made this statement. If you're a visitor, welcome. We're glad to have you here. But I made this statement. Sorry, I should have clicked that. Um, Indigenous heritage. I made this statement. You aren't fully going to understand the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament. Okay. Once again, it's not to say you won't get some good things out of the New Testament if you haven't read the Old Testament, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding and there's a profundity to the New Testament when you read the Old Testament and start connecting it in. And I talked about this a little bit last time I was here, but Matthew 1 begins with the lineage of Jesus. We talked about Abraham, we talked about David last time, but I'm going to talk about Matthew chapter 1 and Jesus' genealogy. And we kind of like, when, whenever I used to approach that particular passage in the Bible, so it happens in Matthew and it happens in Luke, um, I, I kind of skipped it. I was like, this is boring. It's just about this guy being that guy's father and so on and so on and so on and so forth. Anyway, I've got the list there. I won't go through the whole list, but there's some interesting things that kind of stand out. And most of these names you can find in the Old Testament and look up and read about their stories, most of them. They have stories and a history to them that are both positive and negative, okay? But what's really astounding about this is that alongside some of the names of the men, you get the names of women. So you get Judah, who has a child with Tamar. You get Salmon, who has, has a child with Rahab. You have Boaz, who has a child with Ruth. And David, child, it doesn't say Bathsheba, but it says the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay? And if you go back in the Old Testament and read about it, you go, oh, it's Bathsheba. Okay? So David and Bathsheba. And... And it's unusual that they would include these names in the genealogy. That's not usually how history or people recorded history, okay? And it's interesting that it doesn't, it doesn't go through all the men and include all of their wives because that could drown out the significance of these, three, or these four women. Most significant is that these women are all of a Gentile or non-Jewish nature. And it's interesting because there's a guy named Craig S. Keener and he writes in his commentary for the Gospel of Matthew, he says, For Matthew and his circle of Jewish friends, Jesus was not an afterthought of, uh, to Judaism, a distinct and unexpected addition to God's plan in the Old Testament. It says, Jesus was the goal to, with, to which Israel lovingly, remembered, uh, lovingly remember history pointed. It's God's statement to the world. It's not just a statement to the Jewish people. It's not just that he likes Jewish people better. It's not just that he likes Seventh-day Adventists better. He, he's not just liking a certain group of people better. He likes the world. For God so loved the world. With the history that the Jews had, with being hounded by countries around them, being in captivity multiple times, being persecuted for centuries, they had turned insular, turned inwards, had no desire to interact with people other, outside of their nationality, no desire to interact with those around them. They just wanted 
to be Jews and deal with Jewish people. But it's as this kind of guiding light that Jesus comes onto the scene through and throughout his life he has these really interesting interactions and these positive interactions with people that the Jewish people might consider outcasts. And so he comes onto the scene and he calls a disciple named Matthew that the book's about, who's a tax collector. And in those times, if you're a tax collector, you're an outcast because you collected money for the Romans. And so you were seen as essentially a Roman. Jesus calls Matthew a tax collector. He touches people who, are lep- who have leprosy. He touches people who are even dead. And it was very, very bad for you to touch a dead person. He touched people who are bleeding. He interacts positively with the Syrophoenician woman. He interacts positively with a Roman centurion. He interacts positively with a Samaritan woman. He interacts positively with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So once again, another tax collector comes along and he goes, cool, let me have lunch with you. And it goes on and on and on. Including these four women in his genealogy who were Gentiles with less than flattering stories or histories. You have Tamar of Canaan, Rahab of Jericho, Ruth of the Moabites, and Bathsheba of the Hittites. And it's interesting because I think, what if Jesus had been born today? What would his ancestry look like today? And so I kind of just go, oh, off the top of my head, it might look like if we went through Jesus' genealogy and he was born today, it might look like, oh, he would have a Muslim parentage or heritage. He might have a Buddhist heritage. He might have an indigenous heritage. He might have a Russian's heritage. He might have refugees from other countries' heritage, because Ruth is a refugee. And it might go on. Just fill in what it might look like today if Jesus was born today in your own head. Interestingly enough, and, you, and I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I prefer not to have pictures of Jesus in my house. One reason is because most often than not, Jesus looks like this. Okay? Well-manicured beard, freshly shampooed and conditioned hair, blue eyes, white skin, moisturised, lovely, looks like it's soft-to-touch sort of skin. When the reality is... Jesus probably more looked like this. He was Jewish, and so he most likely looked Jewish. But the main reason why I don't have any pictures of Jesus in my house is actually the reason why I feel like the Bible doesn't feel the need to describe what Jesus looked like. And that's because I don't want his physical appearance to get in the way of his character's appearance. When I read about Jesus, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I get a beautiful picture of his character through the stories of of what he did and how he interacts with people. And I don't want anything to come in the way of that. I don't want anything to taint that picture of his character. Craig S. Keener writes this. He says, genealogies needed to include only men. So the unexpected appearance of four women draws attention to them. 
Had Matthew merely meant to evoke the history of Israel in a general way, one would expect him to have named the matriarchs of Israel. By the matriarchs of Israel, he's referring to Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. Instead, he names four women whose primary common link is their Gentile ancestry. They weren't Jewish. They weren't of Israel. And this is something crucial and central and inherent to the very mission of Jesus himself. A positive and favourable interaction with Gentile people. So much so that his very lineage is connected to Gentile people. I love how you can point to anywhere on the globe, anywhere in the world, and say that's the centre of Jesus' love. I love how Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, he says this, he says, for, all, for you are all sons of God through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For as many as you who, have been, who were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And, then he, and this is where it gets really fascinating. He goes, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That's the most fundamental social and theological distinction in Paul's time. And he just erases it. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no Jew or Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Paul feels even comfortable to disregard the biological differences. Anything that would cause us to look at others less than or inferior, inferior to, no, nah, it's gone. No Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's, sorry, it should say seed, not see. You are Abraham's seed, descendants and heirs according to the promise. The funny, funny thing is, we, th- we see these distinctions, we see these, these differences between ourselves, but the reality is we're all family. And for those who don't believe in Jesus, for those who, those who don't necessarily accept him as their Christ, they potentially can be. They potentially can be a part of your family and should be treated as such. I love how God's not into elites. He's not into looking down on people around us. He's not into whether, whether you're a European or an Aboriginal. He's not into whether you're an Australian or a refugee. not into whether you're Labour or Liberal or vaccinated or unvaccinated or upper middle or lower class. He's not into any of that. Because the reality is we're all sinners in need of Jesus. It was only by the grace of God that I began to understand that indigenous people were loved by Jesus just as I was. And I became open to and interacted with some very lovely and beautiful indigenous people, specifically two incredible and beautiful indigenous people, my wife and my daughter. And my wife and her family have helped me journey into such a wonderful and beautiful culture to see a different perspective on people's values and life goals, a connection to country and environment that's inspiring. And I just feel so blessed that God was able to turn my perspective around on that. Because the reality is that Jesus lives his life as everyone, every culture, 
every single person on earth is precious and the focus of his tremendous love. And if we're going to say that we follow Jesus and are Christians, we need to address those biases, those discriminations, those walls that we've built in our lives that might distract us from certain types of people, that might distance us from certain races of people, people who might not have the same view or understanding or experience that we've had, so that we can then approach, approach them with humbleness, approach them with kindness, approach them with care, approach them with openness and patience, just like Jesus did. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, you set the example, not just in the way that you lived, but in the very lineage of your family. That you don't see in us and them, that you don't see elites versus others. It's not the insides and the outs. That you see everyone as the focus of your tremendous love, and wonderful saving power. And so, Lord, as we look around us as a, at a divided world, at a, at a world that seems to be polarising us between us and them and those who are over there and us and me who's over here and so on and so forth, Lord, we pray Holy Spirit's guidance to just guide us into bridging those gaps that each person is a potential child of God, and then we're all family. And Lord, we can only do that through your Holy Spirit's power, and I pray that your Holy Spirit is with us, guiding us, encouraging us, teaching us, helping us pick up on those opportunities. I pray this in your wonderful, blessed name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks.